This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. Hello, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right? Bless your heart. I hope everything's all right at your house. Every time I begin these broadcasts, I pray with all my heart that God may put his love and his truth and his power and real inspiration and help and encouragement into every word I say. We can't see each other, and sometimes that's probably a good thing. But, oh, the voice can say so much in the overtones and undertones and nuances of of pronunciation and all the rest. And I just pray that God may put himself into what I say. Well, we're looking at Mark 1. And we've come to the story of the leprosy person who came to the Lord Jesus beseeching, that means desire, kneeling down, that means worship, and saying, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And that means faith. This then is the formula for getting somewhere with God. Desire, worship, faith. Now think about faith for a moment. What is faith? Faith is the willingness to risk a situation on God. that simple. Risking a situation on God's word, God's promise, and God's command. The writer to the Hebrews puts it, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You trust God when you can't see, or when you can't feel, or when you don't have in your hand the answer to your prayer, you trust him anyway. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, said Job. Uh, the, The process of trusting God, risking your situation, whatever it may be, on what you know to be the will of God at the time. This is faith. Faith risks the outcome of the situation on God. God told me to do this, and we're going to do it. I think so often of how things worked back in 1952 and 3. In the summer of 52, we met in all-night prayer meeting at Winona Lake, Indiana, And as we prayed, God laid on our hearts that the next country we would uh, visit in in our one country at a time evangelistic thrust uh, in in Youth for Christ would be Japan. And we sent off a a cablegram as a result of that uh, all-night prayer meeting and the business meeting that followed and said, we're coming to Japan next August 1953. Get ready, have uh, have, uh, campaigns and cottage prayer meetings and train personal workers and so on. We sent a long cablegram to him. Back came a letter uh, rather rapidly. This arrived then after the, after the uh, convention was over, of course. Said, Dear Brother Bob, I don't think you better come. The missionaries don't want you. They feel that you would all uh, just bring a lot of camera-toting tourists over that would uh, complicate matters and, and spoil the work that they've done, and so they the missionaries don't want you. Well... We didn't really know what to do. And so we called another prayer meeting, this time at the headquarters of Youth for Christ, which at that time was located in Wheaton on, on Cross Street, I remember. And so we called all the, all the fellows we could get together, and we met and prayed and sought God. And again, there came the, there came the feeling, this is what God wants us to do. So... We sent a letter back, said, go ahead, have uh, schedule some preliminary campaigns, train some, some personal workers, and have 
by all means, have prayer groups everywhere starting up among believers and with missionaries and all that. Well, again, a letter, anguished letter this time said, you're making such a bad mistake. Nobody here wants you to come. And uh, they're all afraid that you'll just do damage and all of that. Well, we kept on praying. And uh, along about, I guess it was March of 53, sometime along in there, a good friend of mine with whom I had grown up, Dr. Fred Jarvis, was preaching or teaching uh, to a group of missionaries uh, who were on retreat in a mountain town called Karizawa. And uh, as he spoke, uh, all of a sudden, he broke off his message and he said, friends, he said, I, I am just not right with some of you and, and you know it and I know it. Please forgive me. I have to go get right with some people. And so he left the platform and went down in the audience and, and began to talk and pray with two or three different folk and tears were flowing and the Spirit of God moved in and other uh, missionary friends and national Christian leaders who were there uh, began also to confess their failings to God and to each other. And there was a great time of, of revival that swept over that whole group. As a matter of fact, you can always tell when there's real revival by the amount of restitution that people do. And so there were all sorts of letters of apology and, and all of that and payment of debts and keeping of, of, of long broken promises that, uh, that uh, uh, found its repercussion halfway around the world as letters came from Japan from hearts that had been cleansed and set on fire by that revival. Well, strangely enough, after that happened, then came a letter saying, we believe that God has changed our attitude and we want you to come. <laughs> and so we, we were there and in August of 1953, we had a glorious time and the Lord met us and many were added to the church there in Japan. Believers were added and, and the whole work was strengthened. Uh, I'm sure. See, faith, risk the situation on what you know God has told you to do for, as you read his word and pray. Now, don't go off the deep end and say, well, I feel this way, therefore I'm going to do it anyway. Don't trust your feelings and don't trust the circumstances necessarily. Although circumstances sometimes can be an indication of what God is trying to tell you. But the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Go to the Word of God and prayer. That combination will most certainly keep you from making any mistake. And faith, as I've said to you now a number of times, faith dares to risk the situation on what you know to be the will of God after you have searched His Word and been in prayer. All right? Now, how does faith work? Well, our Lord Jesus said, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. What things ever you desire. There we're back to desire again. See, you have it in, in Mark 1 here. Beseeching him. Desire. What things ever you desire. Ye have not because you ask not, James says. What is there in your heart that you really want from God? Not any polite speech now that we make to the deity with our eyes shut. God gets tired of such prayers. He says quite plainly in the first chapter of Isaiah. God gets tired of routine prayers, just as you and I might. But uh, what you really want from God Desire. What things ever you desire? That's a strong word. It's a word that means ask, crave, demand, beg, plead. Uh, you look it up in your in your concordance or your lexicon, you'll find that all of those meanings are wrapped up in that one Greek verb that is translated in this in this instance, desire. 
So he says, what you really want, what you crave, what you what you have to have from God, when you pray, that's the next thing, pray. Talk to God about it. And I'm amazed. Oftentimes when someone will come with a problem, I'll say, have you prayed about it? Well, no. They've talked to Dr. So-and-so, and they've talked to their friends, and now they're talking to me and seeking somehow a solution of the of the problem. But have they prayed about it? Well, no. Have they prayed with anybody about it? Well, no. So that's the second step, when you pray. And then he says, believe that you receive and you shall have. Faith receives the gift before it arrives. Faith receives the gift before it arrives. The best illustration of that I know comes from my own uh, two uh, daughters, older daughters, who, when they were very little, wanted a bicycle. And uh, so Corinne and I tried to figure some way or other that we could we could manage that on our limited budget. And finally, we found a way that that we could we could work it out and, and get a bicycle for them. And so I told the two little gals, we were living in Chicago at that time on the northwest side, and I told the two little gals, I said, now, Mama and I have found a way to, uh, we think that we can get you a bicycle uh, by whatever it was, birthday or Christmas or some special day that was coming. Oh, they were overjoyed, and they dashed out the front door, down the steps onto the sidewalk of that tree-lined street, and said to the neighbor children, We got a bicycle, we got a bicycle. And one of the neighbor children, who was cynical, said, Where is it? And one of the gals, I forget which one it was, said, Papa said we're going to get it. (laughs) That was it. Papa said. (laughs) Now, you parents and grandparents know that you would break your neck to keep your word uh, to a child like that. You're not going to break your promise. Oh, no, and neither is God. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him, Jesus said. Papa said, Abba, Father, Papa, God, are you depending today, really depending on the promise of God, even though you may not have in hand the answer to your prayer? That's faith. That's not kidding yourself. Faith is believing what God says and acting upon it. Faith is acting while your hands are empty as though they were filled because God said they will be. Someone sent me a booklet that said, pray toward the answer. Pray toward the answer. Don't pray toward the problem. You can tell God in 17 words or less what's wrong. Pray toward the answer. Visualize in your praying what God has promised in his inerrant, inspired, holy word, the Bible. Visualize in your praying the promises of God and pray toward the answer and believe God for it. Now, don't tell God what to do or how to do it. Let him be God. Don't try to meddle in how the answer ought to come. Just leave that with him. But pray toward the answer and receive it by faith. What things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, what's the result of that? Well, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And if any man has that gift, Paul says in Romans 12, 4, let him do so according to the proportion of faith. How much you can achieve for God depends on how much you can believe God for as you obey him. Some people don't believe God for very much and they never get very far in life. Some people believe God for a lot 
And even though they are limited in their, in their abilities, God honors that faith and uses them greatly. Jim Savage told me of a young man who graduated with great difficulty after failing many courses, graduated from their Bible Institute in, in Venezuela, and everybody was glad to see him go because they thought he never would amount to anything. He went back to his native Colombia, got a little motor launch, and went up the, the big river, and wherever he stopped, he founded a New Testament Bible-believing church. In one year, he had founded a number of such churches, a man who didn't have very much possibility, but who believed God. Let's you and I do the same thing. Dear Father, today, wilt thou walk with us, and may thy Holy Spirit fill us, and wilt thou give us the grace to believe God for things that may not have arrived as yet, but which are in thy blessed promise for us. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Until I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.